Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Stop. Miracle! This thing starts as a miracle. I'm going to allude to this later, but I get, I'm too fired up about it not to keep talking about it. There are folks, there are whole schools of thought, there are whole missiological endeavors that, 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 are, that either intend to set aside or dismiss the importance of or outright deny the miraculous. There are folks that say, you know what, Christianity has value and meaning and it's wonderful even without any idea of miracles. In fact, we don't even need them. We don't, we don't really believe they happened. We don't need them. Christianity is, you know, a, 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 just it's a wonderful ethical, moral, therapeutic system and it has value. We can enjoy it and still and recognize the miracles probably didn't happen. Hey, but it's still great. But here's the deal. This thing starts with a miracle. There is, there is not one trace of this story of a part of our faith that isn't a miracle. If you don't start with a miracle, then you can't start. In the sixth month, the sixth month of what? The sixth month of a pregnancy of a lady that was too old to have kids and never had had them. What? Yes, in the sixth month of someone who who couldn't have kids and wasn't supposed to be able to, she's six months pregnant. So it starts off with an assumption of a miracle. And, And then what happened? An angel comes. An angel, not just any old angel, not like, did I just see a flicker? You know, did I just see a light? No, this is Gabriel. If you, if you read the, the second temple literature of the Jews, this is one of the big seven. There are seven powerful, major, authoritative angels in scripture, and he's one of them. Who is Gabriel? Oh, he's the guy that showed up in the book of Daniel that said, hey, as soon as you started to pray, an order was given in heaven, and I came on my way. I ran into a little trouble with the prince of Persia. Don't worry, Michael came in. We fought for a while. Yada, 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 here I am. <laughs> Gabriel comes to a tiny, smaller. She, that that Gabriel comes to Hawkinson. <laughs> Miracle. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. We get we we get Daniel. You know, big big shot, gold chain. He had a gold chain. Uh, Purple clothes, Babylon, but Hawkinson. All right, it's too much, too much. Gabriel sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Oh, let's tr- it's on the screen, so let's say it out loud, everybody, will you? Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Hey, I think this could be fun. What if part of our Christmas tradition was to greet our loved ones like that? Now, I realize some of you might roll your eyes like, oh, no. But you know what? The truth is, it's probably better than the way some of you have greeted each other already this morning. Give it a whirl. Give greetings for everyone. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement. 
She was perplexed. She was confused. She was taken aback by this, pondering what kind of greeting this was. Friends, if you believe that you're a no-name nobody, and suddenly, now I don't know that Gabriel was wearing a name tag, but, but suddenly a massive glorious angel shows up in your house, it's likely that you think, well, that's it. My number's up. You quickly, you quickly roll a dex, inventory, all the things you may have done, and I'm in, this is it for me. Right? You usually, usually the default... The default consciousness of, of, of a great many people is that, honestly, if they really feel like they were going to stand, you know, they're going to, an angel was going to come, that somehow some confrontation with heaven is going, to, is going to be something that condemns them. Some sort of a condemning confrontation. If, if, if God, if I was, if, if heaven, if I'm going to have a, if I'm really going to be honest with heaven and heaven with me, all of a sudden, all the truth is, I'm just, it's going to, God's going to sigh a little bit. At the best, he'll be as disappointed. So Mary sees this, this angelic, this heavenly being, and the first thing out of his mouth is, you're favored and the Lord is with you. And then he said to her, do not be afraid. That seems to be heaven's favorite message. The gospel, as it starts here, begins with an angel saying, don't be afraid. And the first words out of an an empty tomb from an angel are, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Whoa! Yeah, you should, that, that's incredible! Wow! And we went before, but before you get carried away with the wow, there's one more thing to say. How? Yeah, it's easy for you and me to say wow, but for Mary, all she's got is how. How? I hear the promise of God. I hear, I see something in the word of God. I hear what God says to me about my future. I hear what God, how God says he sees me and what he says I'm going to do. But the only question I have is how? Mary says, I haven't even been with a man. I'm a virgin. How's that going to happen? We always take inventory of our inability. We hear the promise of God. And the first thing we do is check how enabled we are. And the angel answers her in the way that heaven always answers. When God's, when God's word comes, and the question is, how will God's word come to pass? How will God's word come to pass in my heart, in my life? The answer is always the same. Here it is. How will this be? The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's always the answer to how. 
And Mary, probably being a good Bible girl, probably that might have sounded familiar, and it might sound familiar to you. And if it doesn't, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the, Holy, and, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you is the same language from Genesis chapter 1. When the earth was formless and empty, and the Holy Spirit hovered, he overshadowed, and then the Lord spoke. And in the same way that the Holy Spirit hovered over an empty and formless world, he would hover over an empty womb and would accomplish the word that was sent. And for that reason, the holy child will be called the Son of God. Verse 36, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth herself has conceived a son in her old age. She who was called infertile is now in her sixth month. Isn't that wonderful how God loves to change your reputation? Aren't you the, man, aren't you the blind guy? No, I'm the guy who used to be blind. <laughs> Aren't you that? No, I'm the guy that used to be that way. Uh, Jesus is the king of making us all has-beens. Is anybody in this room a has-been? I love how the, they, I don't even know necessarily why, but I love that, that the angel knew enough that Mary, everybody, everybody could use the, the good nudge of a testimony. Right at the point of how is this going to happen, he says, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and here's a testimony to nudge you just a little bit. Yeah. Even, your, even your relative, barren, she's already six months along. Hey, listen, God's already been on this. God's already on this. Yep, yep. <laughs> then verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Would you all say that out loud with me? For nothing Merry Christmas. Christmas is a miracle. Of all of the Christmas uh, phrases, of all of the exchanges that we use, of all of the the sayings, of all of the words that we hang everywhere, I I would like us, maybe let's do it, make sure that in this house, the Christmas season, that one of the things that we see most often is the promise that nothing will be impossible with God. Christmas is... A miracle. The more literal version in your NIV, the newest version of the NIV, I shouldn't say more literal, a possible way of of hearing nothing will be impossible with God is, is is the phrase, no word of God can fail. Now, they're not, those sound like different sentences. Yeah, in English, but in ancient languages, for instance, in Hebrew, the word dabar means word, matter, or thing. So dabar means, I could say, no, no, no word, no matter, no where, no thing, right? So in, and in the same way, so it's, it's either, so no word or no thing here in Greek. No thing will fail. No, it's not, nothing will be impossible. No word from God can fail. Why? Because no word can fail because God cannot fail. When God speaks... Hope is absolute. When God speaks, hope is absolute. Then verse 38. 
Mary said, Behold, the Lord's bondservant, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary said, Let it be. Amen. I accept your word to me. I believe. Did Mary do anything to earn this? No. Miracles are not a reward. The angel didn't, the last thing out of the angel's mouth, the last angelic declaration is, nothing will be impossible for God. And the only response, the only response, the only thing God is looking for is someone to say, Amen. For somebody to say, I believe, let it be unto me according to your word. When Mary believed that God is a miracle working God. Mary believed that God is a miracle working God and that is all that it took to save the world. How about you? How about us? Do we believe that God is a miracle working God? It's all right. Do we believe that God is a miracle working God? Then let it be unto us according to his word. Christmas is meaningful because it is a miracle. Let's consider some of the implications of this passage. Right away, we understand that Christmas is a miracle because Christ is a miracle. Christ is a miracle. We believe in in the virgin birth. This story affirms to us, it communicates to us that Jesus is the Holy One. He is the Son of God. He is born of a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ Himself is a miracle. And what we understand about this is that a miracle is, is not, is not, is not. So when we say Christmas is a miracle because Christ is a miracle, we're talking about Christ himself. We're not talking about flying reindeer or immortal elves that live in the snow. We're talking about divine intervention that comes to us to do what we could not do. Miracles are God's idea. Christ himself is a miracle, and he comes at the initiation, the intention of God. Therefore, Christmas, like all of Christianity, is a miracle or it is nothing. The whole of Christmas, like the whole of our faith, is a miracle. Again, there are those, there are missiologists, theologians, there are stacks and stacks of books that will begin that have made the argument we do not need the miraculous we deny it we dismiss it it's not that christianity is is possible it's even pleasant without miracles but here is the problem friends and it's a very serious problem that that uh, that that christianity claims to be a miracle The miraculous is the locus. The miraculous is the epicenter of our faith. It is the raging, burning furnace of our faith is that God is a miracle-working God. We believe that God created, that God created, that everything that is seen has been created by what that which was not seen. 
that creation is a miracle, that God initiated it and God did it. We believe that God became man. We believe that creation is a miracle, that the incarnation is a miracle, that God became man, that the Holy Spirit hovered over an empty womb and God, God became flesh. We believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. We believe in creation. We believe in the incarnation. We believe in the resurrection. And we believe in the reign and the return of Jesus Christ. Everything we believe rests upon a miracle. Paul said when he came to the people in Corinth, he said, my message and my preaching weren't persuasive words of of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith wouldn't rest on the wisdom of mankind, which we know is entirely trustworthy and never wrong, (laughs) but that your faith would rest on the power of God. Our faith is in a miracle-working God. Christmas is only meaningful because Christmas is a miracle. I want to encourage you a little bit of it in your extra reading. Now, there's a ton of good stuff on miracles. My goodness sakes, there's testimony books and testimony books everywhere, everywhere about healing and deliverance and stuff that God has done. I encourage you to to find some and read some and and, and nourish yourself on some of that. But let me throw one at you that's that's a little more comprehensive. Hmm. Not comprehensive hard, but comprehensive like it covers a lot of ground. It's simply the book Miracles by a man named Eric Metaxas. Eric Metaxas is a great author. He's renowned. He wrote a book on Bonhoeffer that was celebrated, bestseller, big guy. Great, brilliant man. Uh, but he wrote, he wrote a book called Miracles. It's a little book. It won't take you very long to read. My kids and I have loved it, enjoyed reading it. What, but what Metaxas does is just basically make this argument that all that, that well, he starts with life is a miracle. And not just conception, he, he, literally the cosmos. That the cosmos as we know it could not exist apart from a miracle. He talks about all the electromagnetic force and all of the things that have to be perfectly in line and perfectly, they have to be exactly the way they are exactly and they, could, may, may, they would have had to have always been exact or nothing would work. There would be no existence. He makes the argument that, I mean, like everything. I mean, every single thing. The, our, the, the, earth, the earth has to be the size that it is, or we would be dead. If the earth were bigger, dead. Too much gravity, pulling the, pull the gases, dead. If the earth were smaller, not enough gravity, water leaves, dead. Moon bigger, dead. <laughs> Distance from the sun different, dead. Everything has everything that we know is a miracle. And, and if we deny the miraculous, what we do is people begin to invent all kinds of stuff, like the multiverse theory. No, that's not just in comic books. People actually have to say, well, because, the, because life as we know it is impossible, it must be the random choice of a bazillion other multiverses out there. And that's the only way it's possible. So they, expl- <laughs> so they explain the reasonable by reaching out for the unreasonable. Life is a miracle. And, and then Metaxas goes on and talks about all kinds of things. He talks about answered prayer. He talks about conversion. He talks about the resurrection of Christ. He talks about healing miracles. It's just a great little book that should for help you to see that life as we know it, that, that God is a miracle-working God. Yeah. That miracles are not ancillary. They are not auxiliary. They are not part of a denomination. They are not part of a, They are not like, well, that's what those people believe. No, miracles are what people who read the Bible... People who follow Jesus, you must, you have no choice. 
If you deny the miraculous, you will deny the Lord Jesus. And at Christmas, what we see is this, and then this might be one of the most beautiful things. At Christmas time, we see that God works miracles because we need them. Yes. Miracles are not a reward. They're not a reward for your good behavior. This isn't some sort of a weird Greek mythology. Oh, well, you've passed the seven tests, and now I grant you this miracle. No. The way I look at it, I don't even see Mary asking for anything. Did Mary ask for any of this? Maybe she wouldn't ask for it. But there's no... There's no run-up. There's no, and Mary, Mary did all of these things, and then God said, you know what she deserves? Yeah. To have her heart broken by watching her son crucified. Miracles are not a reward for your good behavior. Miracles are not something that you earn. Miracles are not, God, are not God's response to your good behavior or your merit. Miracles come because we need them. God works miracles because of who He is, not because of who you are. God works miracles because He loves you, because He knows we need Him. God works miracles because God knows what you and I know, that this world is broken and that we are unable to fix it and we need somebody bigger, we need somebody someone stronger. We need someone from the outside to come to the inside and give us and help us today and to help us to believe that there will be a day that all things will be made new. God works miracles because we need them. All why did Christmas happen? Glory read it to begin it. What Isaiah says, Isaiah 9 says all the stuff that God's going to do. And the very last part is, and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. How will this all, how do, why do miracles happen? Because of the zeal of God, the passion of God. Christmas is meaningful because Christmas is a miracle. Everything else about Christmas, all of the lights, all the sounds, all the other stuff is meaningful too because it is an echo. It is a celebration. It is a, a reflection of the radiant, powerful, singular truth. Christmas is a miracle. There is joy to the world because Christmas is a miracle. There is peace on earth because Christmas is a miracle. There can be goodwill toward man because Christmas is a miracle. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is Lord today, and he is coming again, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is still, oh, friends, there is still the thrill of hope. This weary world still has reason to rejoice. For there still breaks a new and glorious morn.
Because Christmas is a miracle. We are left with this lingering word, the echoing words of Gabriel to Mary. Words that probably resonated in her heart for years to come. Nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. How do we respond to such a magnificent promise? How do we respond to the miracle of Christmas? Well, I think we can only respond the same way Mary did. We open our hearts and we say, Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Let it be unto us according to your word. Awaken, awaken in us today. The unlimited hope that comes from the miracle of Christmas. And let us respond today with trusting obedience because that will make for a very meaningful Christmas. sing that but this let's just be the posture of your heart lord we hear your word today that nothing will be impossible with god lord and our only humble and grateful response is 
Amen. Let it be unto us according to your word. You are a miracle-working God. believe God is a miracle working God? Yes. One more time. Does anybody believe that God is a miracle working God? Yes. Well, let's, let's give him thanks. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Merry Christmas. Nothing will be impossible with God. God bless you.